spoken through them to understand that. And that's what they were looking for, is that moment where God wouldn't dwell in a specific location, but we would have the opportunity to approach Him through Christ. As Christ being our high priest, we no longer needed uh, priests to perform duties in a building, but we had the opportunity to approach God boldly. Uh, Hebrews 4.16 says this, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Uh, and then Hebrews 4, it says in verse 15, For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free for the, from the sins committed under the first covenant. So Christ provided the opportunity. And I say all that because it's significant. Because you understand that we still live in a day where people are looking forward to a specific location off in the future where they think Christ is going to come back again and He's going to dwell in Israel. People are still looking for that. You understand some circles where people believe that. They believe that at that point they're going to actually start the sacrificial system again. This is significant because God had a greater plan from that. From the beginning, His plan was that there would be a day where His people would not only be able to approach Him with boldness and confidence, but that we would be His spiritual house. You and I, the people sitting in this room, that we would be the people that would carry His presence into the world. We wouldn't have to, as Moses did, take down a tent whenever they decide, Whenever God told them to move on, they would have to take down this tent and carry it to a different place, and then they would set it up. And God's, place, God's presence would dwell in that. We don't have to walk into our communities and say to people, hey, God wants to meet with you, but if you want to meet with Him, you've got to go here. That's not how God operates now. It's through the sacrifice of Christ that we have the opportunity to approach God. We have to understand, first of all, that God was not approachable because of our sin. God was not approachable. He wasn't it's not that he wasn't approachable because of his arrogance or anything like that. It was because of what we had chosen to do. God was not approachable. This is why this is so significant. This is why it's significant to understand the temple and the tent and all the furniture and everything and how it pointed to Christ. That's why it's significant. Because God was showing that his plan was to dwell among a people that he never should have had anything to do with in the first place. He should have wiped every one of us off the face of the earth. But His plan was to redeem us so that we could approach His throne with boldness and confidence because Christ is the mediator of a new covenant. A new covenant where we didn't have to function based on laws that were only external regulations that could never purify our conscience, but Christ is mediator of a covenant where He would open the door to God and He would, through His blood, cleanse our hearts and through His Word and His Spirit, they, He would uh, apply His Word to our minds and our hearts and the Spirit would make it living and active, separating from our hearts the things that keep us at a distance from God. That's the covenant that God set in place through Christ. That's what they were looking forward to, this new covenant. So in all of this, my point is that we have an opportunity through Christ to be the dwelling place of God on earth. We do. The church, His people, the saved in Christ have the opportunity then to be the dwelling place of God on the earth. Because God's temple is now spiritual. It will never again be a physical place. 
There are people that will tell you that, and eventually we'll, we'll talk through some of those things in greater detail. God's temple will never again be a spiritual place. There is no need to start the sacrificial system again. Christ accomplished all of his work. Christ accomplished all of God's purpose in the moment where he hung on the cross and when he was raised again. Ephesians 2.18-22 through 22 says this, For through him Christ... We both, meaning the Jews and Gentiles, have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. So if we study the new covenant put in place by Christ, we understand then that Christians, God's people, are the material of his new temple. The saved in Christ are the material of his new temple. We are the ones that are built together to house the presence of God on this earth. And again, 1 Peter 2.5 says, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. God take, took us from the place of death to life. And he is building men and women who were totally unworthy of his presence alone to be his spiritual dwelling on earth so the question then is how do we become the spiritual temple of god first thing we notice in our passage in peter is that we we become living stones simply through our union with christ as christ is the living stone Ephesians 2, uh, starting in verse 1, it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work, and those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive, alive with Christ when we were dead in transgressions. by his grace that you have been saved. And then Romans 6, 4 says, We are therefore buried with him into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So Christ brings new life to his people. You know, sometimes I think that some of these things sound so elementary, but how we as the church need to be reminded of these things over and over. How quickly we forget the simple truths of God. How quickly we forget when we're out in our communities that we are the people who are carrying the presence of God. That He doesn't dwell in a physical place. He dwells in us. And we forget the significance of the salvation that we have received. We forget that we were dead and we have been brought to new life in Him. And in that new life, then, God's presence dwells in us. Everywhere that we go, God's presence should be flowing out of us. And we'll talk about that a little more in 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 a few moments. But the point is, we become living stones, first of all, through our union with Christ as the living stone. And then the character of the temple the character of his people who are built as the temple. First Peter 1.15 says, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, Be holy because I am holy. 
because I am holy. We talked about this a few weeks ago that that uh, God's desire for his people would be a holy people. That he would call us to be purified through his son. That he would call us to be a people who are set apart uh, to his work. Set apart for him, for his purposes and all things. That none of our affections would be offered to anything else in this world. But our whole being, our heart, soul, mind, strength, everything that we are would be set apart to him for his purposes. And this was the character of his temple. Those who would be built up as living stones within his temple, his temple will be a temple of holiness. And if we are living stones being built up in that temple, we have to be a people of holiness, walking in the holiness. That means that we pursue the Spirit of God. That means, again, we, that we come before him. It's such a simple thing, but I, I think I've mentioned this. But can I just say one thing? I hate feeling like I repeat myself. I hate that so much. But it's probably going to happen a lot, so you're going to have to get used to it. Uh, now I forgot what I was going to say. Um, so we have to be people that are transparent before God. Number one, with a desire to pursue holiness with a desire for that. And again, that is a matter of understanding what is available to us. We have to we have to change these little attitudes we have. Not, I have to do this as a Christian. I have to be this, but I can. I have the opportunity to be this. See, it's the difference in attitudes that helps us apply or pursue the things of God. If it's something I have to do this so I can meet a list of religious regulations... I'm going to have to force myself over and over to try to meet that list. If it's a matter of understanding who God truly is and desiring to be His people, desiring to be uh, uh, His 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 temple, to be built up as a living stone as His temple, if I want that, if I understand the context, if I understand God is that far beyond me, but through Christ I have the opportunity to approach Him, if I understand that, then I understand that I have an opportunity to be like He is. For some reason, He has allowed me through His Spirit to be like He is. Right? We have to start thinking through the implications of what we believe as Christians and understanding our motivation. Uh, so m- my point in that is that we approach God with a desire to be like He is. And we lay everything before Him as you wake up in the morning and you pray or you're praying on your way to work or whatever it is that you would honestly lay yourself before God because there is a drastic difference between our being open with God and allowing Him to pursue us. God knows everything. He knows everything about us. He knows the things in your heart that need to change. He knows all of those things. He's not going to force you to change them. So it is different when I, out of my own will, choose to step into God's presence and say, God, I, I want you to search whatever is within me I will open it up before you and allow you to take whatever you would so that I can be like you because I am thankful for the opportunity through Christ to approach you in the first place. And that for some reason you would want me to reflect your glory. It's drastically different than trying to hold on to parts of our life and keep them back from God uh, I'm trying to think where I want to go here. 
not going to have time to get through all of it. Um, so we become living stones through our union with Christ. And we have to understand that we are built as God's temple with Christ as the cornerstone. He is the chief cornerstone. It says in uh, 1 Peter 2, verse 6, For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Christ is the cornerstone. Now today when we use cornerstones, to my knowledge and the research I have done, when we use a cornerstone, it's more of a decorative piece. It's something that they put uh, for people to remember things, like we put dates on, on it and those kind of things. But in ancient times when they would put together a building, the cornerstone was the first stone set by which they would measure every other part of the building. Every single, that, every single thing that happened in the building was based off the cornerstone. Everything that they did. They measured uh, the walls, the angles, everything inside the buildings. Everything was based off where the cornerstone was set. And we have to understand as the church, is number one, when you, when you read the Word of God and you understand uh, the multiple places where it's talking about us being built up uh, or the church being built on the foundation that is always a passive thing for us in that it happens to us. We are not the ones that build it. We're not the ones that build the, the temple. We're not the ones that build uh, the, 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 uh, the temple of God, the place of God's dwelling on earth. We're, not the, we're the ones that receive it. It happens to us. As I commit myself to Christ and Him being the cornerstone, I commit myself to being a living stone and build up in the Spirit, but He places me where He wants he measures me. I'm measured off the cornerstone being Christ and He fits me wherever He would desire my place to be in His church, in His temple. It is not us who do, who do the building. Now if you read through Scripture, you will see that... Uh, well, let's go here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 12, it says, Just as a body, though one has many parts... But all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, uh, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it, as it is, there are many parts but one body. And then verse 27, now you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. So the first thing that we understand in all of this that God is the one that does the building. We can never overstep Him and try to be the people that build His temple. We're the ones that receive it uh, through His Spirit. Then we understand that every person has something to contribute in the body. That these living stones that Christ are, is uh, building through His Spirit, we are building these living stones. He places them where He would desire in His uh 
temple in his dwelling place as he sees fit. That means that he has looked at each one of us. He has gifted each one of us. He has given each one of us something to contribute to the work of his kingdom in this world. There is not one of us that is saved in Christ. There's not one person in this world who is even not saved in Christ. Everyone has something they can contribute to the kingdom of God, but that becomes effectual when we are saved in Christ. My point is that there is no, there is no person that God has placed, I think, in this world without some sort of gift or something that could be used to glorify Him. Now, some people never choose to use it to glorify Him. They choose to use it to glorify themselves. But my point is that God has never created a human being that doesn't have some sort of value. Every single human being that exists has some sort of value that comes from God alone in the first place. But in the context of the church, we have to understand as we function together to carry out God's work on this earth, we all have to pull our weight. Now, why is that? Because I can't do what you're called to do. I'm never going to be good at it. I'm not going to be able to accomplish the things that God has desired to do through you. You might never be good at doing the things that God has called me to do. That doesn't make any one of us any more important or any less important. Every one of us has a place that God has called us to. So what that means, though, is if members choose to withhold their gifts, choose to withhold what God has called them to in the church, the body doesn't function as it should. That's when we start getting tired and weary because you have people that are gifted in this area that are having to do all of this because nobody's there to do it. It takes every one of us. It takes You understand that there's going to be a day that we're going to stand before God. And He's going to say, you know, I gave you all of this. I gave you this talent or this gift or this ability to build up the church. What did you do with it? If you go on in, in uh, 1 Peter, I th- it's somewhere around chapter 4 or 5, it says that we are stewards of God's graces in its, its uh, many forms. We are stewards of God's graces in its various forms. You understand what that means. You understand the responsibility that comes along with that, that God's graces, His mercies would be placed in my heart. And what He has given me as a gift I am a steward of that. Not just for myself, but for you. Not just for you, but for the world. I am a steward of God's grace. You're a steward of God's grace in a different form. Because God has desired that you would do something different than I am. He's desired that we do something different than the person over here so that the church can all function together in unity, accomplishing its purposes. It takes every one of us. Every person is essential to the function of the body. So I, I'm going to wrap it up here real quick. The uh, It's probably not going to be quick. You guys probably know that by now. I'll try. Uh, the point in all of this is that God's dwelling place 
in the earth now is His people. This is not a physical location. It is His people who are walking in holiness and love, desiring His presence. And we, how then is His presence known in Sugar Creek or in Dover or New Philadelphia or wherever you live? It is by the people of God carrying His presence to everywhere that we work, into our families, to our friends, everywhere that we go, we are carrying the presence of God with us. The point of this is we have to understand the significance of what we have been called to. Again, not in a religious task of I have to carry God's presence, but at some point we have to understand who God is. And at some point it should make us say, are you kidding me? I, I am allowed, I have the opportunity to carry God's presence, the creator of the universe, I have the opportunity to be his reflection. The worship team's going to come up and, and uh, we're going to close, but uh, every, every bit of what we are talking about, in order to understand the significance of it, we have to understand who God is. Every bit of this boils down to our understanding and thinking rightly of God. A.W. Tozer said, said this in his book called The Knowledge of the Holy. He said, So necessary to the church is a lofty concept of God that when that concept in any measure declines, the church with her worship and her moral standards declines along with it. The first step down for any church is taken when it surrenders its high opinion of God. The heaviest obligation lying upon the Christian church today is to purify and elevate her concept of God until it is once more worthy of Him. In all of our prayers and labors, this should have the first place. That we would understand God as He is. That we would have a lofty concept of God. That we wouldn't have a concept of God as just some being that we come together with and throw our leftovers to Him. Understanding that He is worthy of sacrificial worship. And you understand as we sacrifice ourselves to Him in worship, committing ourselves to Him, allowing Him to search us, as we give Him all that we are, as we give Him first our best in all things, we do it because of our love for Him and in light of His mercy. But then you understand in that moment when God looks on His child who holds nothing back from Him, the blessings of God begin to overflow. They begin to work in our life. God begins to do something in us. He begins to make us something we never could have been on our own. He begins to give us freedom and peace that we never could have known in ourselves. That's not to say He's going to take away every problem that you have. You're not going to face sickness or death there's nothing in the Word of God that ever says that we won't face those kind of things. We'll experience pain and sorrow. The difference is that you're going to experience pain and sorrow in this world whether you're with God or not. The difference is that when you walk through those things with God, as His living stones build up as His spiritual temple, as I find my place in Christ measured off of Him as the cornerstone, and I am content in where He has called me to be in His church, 
as I find that place, I walk through the pain and sorrow of this world with the presence of God, bringing me peace I never could have imagined, giving me joy in the midst of sorrow, building me up, giving me vision, giving me wisdom and understanding. And in all of that, then we begin to anticipate more and more the moment where we stand before Him and see Him as He is. You see, God has called us to be His temple, His people, His dwelling place that carries His presence into everywhere around us. But if we are to ever understand that as the church, the significance of what we have available to us, it takes us truly desiring to see God as He is. That will be a lifelong pursuit. The problem is none of us, sometimes we don't ever start that process. Sometimes we're content with just whatever we're told about God. Sometimes we're content with whatever we just hear in church about God. Understand that if the only time you ever read your Bible is on a Sunday morning, you're only going to hear 52 scriptures a year. That's if I don't preach on the same thing more than once. We've got to elevate our understanding of who God is. That takes people being intentional in their pursuit of Him. And as we close this morning, will you make that your prayer? Number one, that God would search you. And if you're not pursuing Him in that way, if you don't, if you don't have this great understanding and, and understand the significance of what it means to be built up as the temple of God, pray that God would reveal that to you. And if you do have that understanding, pray that God would allow that to overflow out of you into other people. And that we as his church would be built up in him, that we would never try to do the work ourselves. But we would submit to him and allow him to do his work through us. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you again today for the opportunity to worship you, to be together. For all that you have laid before us, the opportunities that you have laid before us to be your spiritual temple. Father, we thank you that you don't dwell in one specific location, that there isn't a place on earth that we have to travel to to be in your presence in every moment of every day that you are with your children, walking with us, building us up, that your Spirit is at work within us, shaping us, informing us to be living stones in your temple. Father, help us all to always to measure ourselves off of Christ as the cornerstone. We would never measure ourselves based on other humans or what we think is good and bad, but that we would desire for Christ to fit us into place wherever you would desire for his glory. Father, we love you. It's your name we pray. Amen. You please stand and take your hymnals and turn to page 192. 192. There.